another edition of the Underdog Football Show. Hayden Winks, our first preview show of the season in our new digs, in our new threads. Hayden, 15 games, just two people, hundreds and hundreds of players we're about to discuss. How are you feeling? Are you ready? I am stoked. Today was such a huge day for Underdog. I mean, we filled Best Ball Mania 2. We are close to filling Puppy 3, our third freaking puppy, a million-dollar puppy. We got the big dog closing in, so it was, it was a huge day, huge week for Underdog as well. Just super excited for the, for the season now, too. Hayden and I, after this, are immediately jumping over to Underdog HQ in Brooklyn. Going to go watch Thursday Night Football with all our buddies, celebrate a little bit. An awesome offseason that all of you helped create. The community around Underdog right now is, is incredible. It's been an awesome week here. Filled Best Ball Mania 2, as Hayden mentioned. Puppy three, everything. It's it's been it's been absolutely incredible. Okay, but for today's show, I know that's why you are here. This is how it's going to go and how it's going to work. We're going to go game by game through each window. One o'clock, four o'clock, then the prime times. As much as we can, dive into what we think matters, what we think will be the different points of contention of the difference makers on either side. Also a little wrinkle from each of us. One underdog of the week, which is self-explanatory, I hope, and very on the nose. And one, what we're calling a Ben Frank, a Benji, a Benjamin Franklin, someone we have faith that's going to get 100 yards this week. At least in my opinion, maybe, Hayden, someone that's overlooked, but that we think is going to get that Benji this week. What do you think? Yeah, the hundred of the week. It's going to be somebody that's maybe like in that wide receiver two, wide receiver three tier. Somebody that you want to be picking on Battle Royale. Somebody, if there's a pick em line that you like on Underdog Fantasy, this is going to be your guy. We're not going to say Christian McCaffrey is going to get 100 yards this week. What's the fun in that? We're going to go down a tier, try to, we'll keep track of this. We'll see uh, who comes out with more Be- Benjis this week or this year, me or you. Before we get going, again, this is our preview show, as you can see on our live show sheet, 530 Eastern. Thanks for being here. Every single week, 5.30 Eastern game-by-game preview show. Sunday is going to be electric. To be honest with all of you, I have no idea how it's going to play out. We're going to run and fly by the seat of our pants, but I have confidence in the team because we're going to start off at 10 a.m. with Animal from BDGE as a call-in show. That's going to be pure, unfiltered entertainment. I take over from him at 11 Eastern, do a whole bunch of start sets, some pick-em lines as well, help you figure out these lineups. And then Hayden and I, you know, go together from there on out up until kickoff. And then that night, seven o'clock Eastern, set your calendar, set a reminder, a wrap up show. We're going to focus on eight, 10 to maybe even all 15, 14 games of that Sunday. And then again, another show at Tuesday, eight, five 30 Eastern, but we'll remind you of that a little bit later on. And before we get into the games today, I do want to say that we're going to hit on the Ravens backfield. They are of course playing on Monday night football. So much to talk about there. So if you're rewatching the replay of this, Fast forward to the end if you want to find that. I would just listen all the way through, but just know that it's at the top of our minds, and we're going to have some really good information on that. All right, Hayden, did we cover it all? Should we roll? Should we go? Let's ahead? go. Week week one. Here we go. All right. We are starting off the Philadelphia Eagles against the Atlanta Falcons, 48 total, with the Falcons being three-point favorites here at home. Hayden, two new head coaches, two new play callers, Let's start off, though, with the favorite in Atlanta. What do we expect from the Falcons, and how do we think we that lines up with the perceived strengths and weaknesses of the Philadelphia Eagles? 
Well, the first thing is Matt Ryan's. This is an offense that he's familiar with. It's very close to the one that Shanahan ran when he was in the MVP. We've seen different iterations of this offense. This is not a Derrick Henry offense where they run the ball all the time. When the personnel changes, what we saw with Shanahan with like those Devonta Freeman seasons, more balance, more pass heavy. The one thing that caught me by surprise was the Titans were third in neutral offensive pace and that's good news for the Falcons and I don't think we're going to see this massive decline from Matt Ryan when it comes to pass attempts this year yes it'll tick down a little bit but I think in general because you have Kyle Pitts and you have Calvin Ridley and Mike Davis who was second in the NFL and broken tackles off receptions last year they can pass the ball a little bit here and I think that's the good part about the Eagles defense is they're good up front they're pretty bad at corner. Like they have not figured out this corner position yet. So I think this is a good week to get in Calvin Ridley. Definitely a good week to get into Kyle Pitts and even Mike Davis. I understand that from like a zoomed out perspective. But when we look at where the Falcons are at their worst, it's it's along their offensive line. Jake Matthews, good player. Lindstrom, Chris Lindstrom, good player. They have a new center. They have a heavy-footed right tackle. I'm a little bit nervous that, again, the strength, the front four, which keeps getting deeper and deeper. I mean, Javon Hargrave, get him for a full season. Milton Williams, one of my favorite interior disruptors in this class, can wreak havoc. We know about Brandon Graham and Derek Barnett and Fletcher Cox and and all those names. And Hayden, you outlined it a little bit. I mean, you've heard me talk about Arthur Smith all summer, that he goes from the Atlanta uh, Tennessee Titans team where he was first and second in red zone success rate. The Falcons were brutal in that area last season. 26th but it's not like the personnel grouping is is necessarily the same i mean mike davis is is not derrick henry he's different aj brown and calvin ridley are, are different cal pitts is different from any tight end and especially different from johnny smith and anthony ferkser do you think that i mean i guess the biggest question to me is is what are we going to get from arthur smith because of those differences like we're just not going to get i think relying on efficiency in the passing game leaning on the rushing attack I think we're going to see Arthur Smith think outside the box from what got him to this point. And because of that, I'm really in on the Falcons team this year, despite those offensive line questions I brought up. The Falcons are going to lose the trenches battle this this uh, this week, but I think that Calvin Ridley is going to win his one-on-ones against Darius Slade. And I think that Kyle Pitts is going to definitely win his one-on-ones because the, the Eagles linebackers are not very good. And their safeties are kind of figuring things out as well. I mean, last year, Eagles were 25th versus fantasy wide receivers, 22nd versus fantasy tight end. So we can look and pick apart the trenches, but ultimately I think the Falcons are going to be able to move the ball here in week one. Yeah. Mike Davis too, Hayden, one of our favorite dead zone running backs all For sure. season. We saw him get six, seven, eight targets last season. His usage, especially inside the 20, inside the 10 yard line when they cut, we believed his perceived backup just last week. I would expect a heavy dose of Mike Davis in this game. And if it doesn't happen, Hayden, as home favorites, then maybe we can start questioning um, what we're going to get out of him all season long. But I don't want to jump to too many conclusions. All right. Eagle side of things, Hayden. We don't know backfield usage. We know this team dealt with injury after injury along the offensive line last year. They still have those two tight ends on the roster, and Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard. The one player I am confident in and that I'm looking at is Devontae Smith. This is a Heisman winner who wasn't drafted until wide receiver 35 during all of best ball season, Hayden, there's a chance that he immediately goes out on the field to me and is the Eagles' best skill position player on offense during his rookie season. I'm anticipating that. And I, I love the fit in this offense for Devonta Smith last year at, in college football. He led all of college football 
in EPA per target versus zone coverage. When you have Jalen Hurts as your quarterback, you're going to see a ton of zone coverage. And I think that Devonta Smith is just going to be the the blanket receiver for, for Jalen Hurts. So it's going to be a great matchup against A.J. Terrell. I think that Devonta Smith's going to win enough of them. And I think that if the Falcons play with enough pace and they pass the ball how we're expecting them to, then that's going to be playing into the Jalen Hurts-Devonta Smith pairing. And I know you and I kind of question Jalen Hurts in best ball, but I think both of you, uh, both of us believed in Jalen Hurts when he was going to be a starter. Did we think that he was going to be a starter the entire season? We had some questions about that. But whenever Jalen Hurts is starting a game, especially against the Falcons, I want to be in. So I'm going to be ranking uh, Jalen Hurts inside my top eight, top ten quarterbacks this week. This is the the week to play both Devonta and Jalen. Yeah. Hopefully, since you joined us for best ball season, you now join us for pick'em season. Devonte Smith over under four receptions here on the pick'em lines over an underdog. Again, you can still use promo code the show get a free twenty five bucks. That promotion ends next week. And I understand that line a bit, Hayden, because when we look back last year and Jalen Hurts, as you're alluding to during those really three starts, 21 completions on 38 attempts. I mean, awful, awful efficiency. And I even think when you zoom out completely, really what this entire, and Shukapati has brought this up, a great beat writer who we've had in the show for the Eagles, that the 2021 season is kind of just building towards 2022, you know? And Jalen Hurts has to do something to instill confidence and win this job for the long term. And this is the right game to start off with it. And I truly think Devontae Smith is the one who's going to benefit the most from that. Falcons last year, dead last against fancy quarterbacks. Falcons last year, dead last against wide receivers. And then even the, t- the two tight ends, the Falcons were 27th against the tight ends. They lost one of their safeties, too. They're dealing with a lot of backups on, on the back end for the Falcons. And also, the, the Falcons don't really have any edge rushers to kind of stop Jalen Hurts when you're doing some of the zone read stuff, too. So this is the week for, for all the Eagles guys. I've had such a blind spot all year to like the Miles Sanders, Boston Scott, Kenny, whatever the combination is, you know? Yeah. Uh, and it, it, it's just not one that on a weekly basis, I need to see it to believe it. I do obviously believe that a mobile athletic quarterback opens up advantages for Josh, for, excuse me, for Miles Sanders, like we saw last season. And uh, maybe that happens. I mean, the Falcons, as we know, as you just pointed out, that that could be, a surprise. Like I always look at, we have these assumptions heading into week one, Hayden, maybe just not understanding fully the Eagles backfield. Maybe that's where we get surprised by this team. It's also not a great matchup for Miles Sanders, just because this was kind of weird to me. The Falcons were third in rushing EPA defense, 26 in rushing EPA defense. That's one of the largest gaps you'll see. And that caused teams last year to go super pass heavy mode against the Falcons. So I don't think that this is necessarily the greatest Miles Sanders game. I'm all in on the Devonta Smith, like you said. And we learn little things like the Dallas Goddard, Zach Ertz usage, and you know, Quez Watkins, Jalen Rager usage as well. But again, I'm putting all my eggs in the Devonta Smith basket. All right. Next game, Hayden. Let's jump to the Pittsburgh Steelers going to the Buffalo Bills. Bills at home, six and a half point favorites, 40 and eight and a half point total. Uh, let's talk about the Steelers first, actually. We're going to learn a lot about new play caller, Matt Canada. We're going to learn a lot about Ben Roethlisberger if he takes more snaps under center. If the slim down Ben is going to be an improvement over the final six or seven weeks that we saw last year. We're going to learn a lot about Najee Harris and the target distribution here. But Hayden, so are the Bills. And that might be the best way for the Steelers to possibly get a W here is, is the mystery, is the unknown element of their offense. 
I think this is the time to be buying the Steelers passing offense. We like all of their, their receivers. Najee Harris caught 42 balls at Alabama last year. And Big Ben, when he slimmed down, like you said, I think he got he took quarantine a little more seriously and actually was on the Stairmaster this offseason. He didn't have to rehab. So I think that you're going to get a rejuvenated Big Ben. And I think there was a massive discount on him in best ball. But when we're looking forward to this specific game, we know the Bills are going to be like what? 18 of the first 20 plays are going to be passes. And I think that the Bills offense is going to be really good again this year. So I think that you're going to see catch up mode from for Big Ben. So that gets me pretty inspired to play Chase Claypool, play Deontay Johnson, Juju, all of them, even Najee Harris. I think that the Steelers are going to have one of their better passing games just because the environment of this of this game in general. Yeah, Steelers were first in one score pass rate last season. Have to think that changes a little bit with Najee Harris, but I also think Najee Harris has shown that he can do some of those Le'Veon Bell type things of if things are, you know, covered down the field, then Ben just loved to check it down and they were able to get, you know, three, four, five, 12 yards consistently with Le'Veon Bell. That was a cheat code back yeah. in the day. Hayden, you and I believe that Chase Claypool can take that next step. He can become like a real alpha type wide receiver. It, it's laid out there for him to have that massive second year leap. But it's not like he's the only wide receiver on his team. We don't know Juju's usage. Deontay Johnson ran into a whole bunch of drops last year. I don't know if that's going to be sticky heading into this year. Any thoughts on the usage of those three this week? We don't know because they were all banged up and they didn't play their starters every single week. The thing I'm looking for, and we'll learn it this, ga- this game, is is Chase Claypool playing in 12 personnel in two tight end sets? And that's super important because he only played three snaps in 12 personnel last year. And with Matt Canada, with Pat Firemuth now in the mix, the Steelers are going to be into, into some more jumbo packages. So it's pretty important for Chase Claypool to be in 12 personnel. If he's not, that's going to be concerning. If he is, that's how you get these massive ceiling outcomes for Chase Claypool. So that's like the biggest thing that's going to be catching my eye here. And looking at it from a defense versus offense standpoint, because this Steelers offense is, is absolutely a worry. I mean, Chooks are core for they wanted to win the left tackle spot. It doesn't seem like that is going to happen. So Dan Moore is probably going to start at left tackle. They brought in a release, Trey Turner. You know, so many, so many names are David DeCastro is no longer on this team. Pouncey no longer on this team. But the Buffalo Bills took like a major step back defensively last year under Sean McDermott, under Leslie Fisher, Leslie Frazier, excuse me. I, I think that that was just a one-year blip because they – kept investing more and more and Trey white is one of those corners that should be mentioned among the top, top, top. Yeah. So if I was giving like an advantage to either side, it would be the Buffalo bills defense, but Hey, we've also seen Ben give her the football so quickly in these situations that he doesn't want to hold on to like one of the shortest time to throws last season that they can always contest that with that area rather than forcing him to hold on the ball for three, four seconds. Yeah, but the Bills from front seven is better this year. They invested into their yeah. edge spot. Um, if you're just looking at uh, wide receiver cornerback matchups, Deontay Johnson's probably going to face Tredavious White a little bit in man coverage, but the Bills play zone coverage and man ca- coverage pretty pretty evenly. So there's not really a reason to fade Deontay or Claypool or Juju versus matchup. I like this game going over. I think this is going to be one of the, the more fun games of the week. Let's quickly mention on the Buffalo Bills offense. I mean, it was a shortened offseason last year. Pass, pass, pass is is what the result was. I mean, it's amazing what Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs were able to do immediately without having, you know, a typical offseason together. What We know that Diggs is going to get his and just going to be an absolute monster once again, and he's perfectly paired 
with the play caller in, in Brian Dayball when they need plays, when things aren't working. He's totally cool with calling 12 straight passing plays. I, I guess the element that I want to find out the most here in week one, Hayden, is how the targets and opportunity gets distributed between Cole Beasley, Emmanuel Sanders, who's a little hurt heading into this one, and Gabriel Davis. I think Cole Beasley's not going to come off the field. He's going to be their, their starting slot receiver. I think that Emmanuel Sanders is going to be outside of Stephon Diggs. Then Gabe Davis is going to mix in with four wide receiver sets. The, I think kind of overrate the four wide receiver set usage. I mean, they yes. only 18% of the Bills passes last year came in, in 10 personnel. I mean, 18%. And there's also the thing where you don't want your wide receivers in four wide receiver sets. That's bad. It's hard to compete for targets when there's three legit wide receivers on the field. So keep Gabe Davis on your bench. I think that Cole Beasley's a fine wide receiver four and like full PPR. I think that he's got a, a pretty good uh, matchup here. If you just look at the, the Steelers defense in general, really strong up front, really strong at, at linebacker, really strong at safety. The cornerback spots their weakness. And I think that uh, when you're going against Steph Diggs, Gabe, Gabe Davis, and Emmanuel Sanders and Cole Beasley, um, I think the Bills are going to put up a ton of points here um, behind Josh Allen. At least in best ball, it might be kind of difficult to predict week to week in, in managed leagues, but at least in best ball, one of those Emmanuel Sanders or, or Gabriel Davis shares is going to hit because like you mentioned, just 18% and 10 personnel. So we care about the wide receiver that's out there. And if one lasts as that number three option, I mean, Emmanuel Sanders was going as wide receiver 62, Gabe Davis at wide receiver 64. That was much earlier, much higher earlier on the summer. This is just the passing attack we want, you know, pieces in, right? And so yeah. Josh Allen, Stefan Diggs, Cole Beasley seem like the week in, week out starters that we can uh we can depend on to varying degrees. All right. Anything else here? You want to move on? Let's get moving. All right. New York Jets, Carolina Panthers, five and a half point favorites. The Panthers are at home, 44 and a half total. Can we start with the Jets? I Let's mean, do it. How did we start the summer? It's only fitting. You getting upset and frustrated with me saying that the Jets offense was a total unknown. An unknown I want to take one, two, or three steps into. But they only had one player inside the top 100, and that was Michael Carter. Now, after a preseason that we've seen heavy investments in the offensive line pay off, a play caller tree that creates easy throws in the in a running game, you know, We've seen Zach Wilson, quick and accurate. We've seen Corey Davis with a ridiculous catch rate. We haven't seen anything left on Elijah Moore, but red glowing reviews. Hayden, I like the over on 44 and a half immediately when I first saw it. My first note for the Jets is this total is too low. Vegas only projects the Jets to score 19.75 points this week. That's 30th, 30th out of 32. They're playing the Panthers. I know it's an up and coming defense, but it's still a, a young defense that's still working things out. And I think that the Jets could hold up here. And I'm really interested in both Corey Davis and Elijah Moore. Not Don't really care about Zach Wilson that much. Don't really care about the run game. Not, not really the tight ends. But with Jamison Crowder on the COVID list right now, and you're going to have a heavy amount of fullback play and second tight end play, that literally means that Corey Davis and Elijah Moore are going to be the only players on the entire field running routes. That explains why Corey Davis had 10 targets on 13 routes in the preseason. I'm expecting both Corey Davis and Elijah Moore to have great games. And the one thing I, the last thing I want to point out is you and I are going to be tracking when rookie cornerbacks are on the field last year, the top 25 corners in coverage snaps per target. That means that they're kept getting targeted at were rookies eight out of the 25. Whenever there's a rookie on the field, OCs and quarterbacks are saying 
Let's go pick on that guy. And this week, it's going to be J.C. Horn, who's very good, but yeah. still a rookie. And I want to take my chances with Elijah Moore and Corey Davis. When the Panthers drafted J.C. Horn, it might have been in mind that they want him to travel. You know, so many corners, even top corners, just stay on one side of the field. I think when you spend a top 10 selection on someone, you think he's an alpha like they do, that Corey Davis, most likely they perceive as the top option. And I believe J.C. Horn even had battles with Elijah Moore dating back to their days at South Carolina and, and Ole Miss. Um, now I understand your point that like historically it does make sense for rookie corners because the adjustment is so big, but Hayden one, he's probably the best corner on the team immediately. And two, when you actually look at the league wide, the Panthers corners could end up, especially when what AJ Boyer comes back as like a top half of the league at the cornerback position, which is crazy to think about compared to where they were a couple of years ago. I'm with you, but I think the Panthers are going to be better like in the second half of the season. Once Sam Darnold gets his feet underneath them, once the defense, very young defense. I mean, what, last year they picked only defensive players in the draft? Yes. All these guys start coming along down the season. Then that's when I think we're going to say, oh, wow, the Panthers' secondary right now is really good. So in week one, I'm okay with chasing the J.C. Horn stuff. I, I think there's personnel reasons why Elijah Moore and Corey Davis could be peppered with targets, and that's – that's why I was buying all of the buzz with Corey Davis in the in training camp because I just realized it's Keelan Cole and fullbacks. That's that's who they're competing with for targets. I mean, come on. <laughs> Your boy Trevon Wesco. Exactly. Uh, I mean, I know along with Mac Jones that Zach Wilson got a lot of gruff during the pre-draft process, but Hayden, he's he's only taken every step forward in, in the right direction. There haven't been many cases where he's had to win outside of structure or outside the pocket or like take control of a play. But in those moments, he has done it and he did it at BYU as well. And also Hayden, as we've seen, you know, with the Cleveland Browns, there are ways to not force your quarterback to be in those moments too, by investing so much in the offensive line. And they've definitely done that already with the left tackle, left guard, even bringing Morgan Moses at, at right tackle. But if the Panthers defense, as you mentioned, I didn't expect to go this deep in this conversation, but as home favorites, again, by five and a half points right now, this is what their defense was built to do. In some ways, it's kind of like Kansas City's where they have like these playmakers and, and Brian Burns and Hassan Reddick and, and Derek Brown and, you know, all these other Uter Gross Matos, Morgan Fox, who they signed. So like when teams are chasing them in points, which I think they obviously what they want to do, then they have these other players on like Jeremy Chen and JC Horn who can make plays to then just end drives, to turn the ball over, to, to, create sacks that just force the other team to fall further and further behind. So this is the type of matchup it should happen. But if it goes over, then there's going to be a lot of questions, I think, about this Panthers to start. Because this they do have a really, really good start. Should we talk about their offense then? Yeah, let, let's do that. Um, because Hayden, as we know last year, the Panthers put out four 1,000 scrimmage yards players, three wide receivers in the top 26 I don't think Sam Darnold is going to improve. I don't think he's, his eyes and his feet and his shoulders are, are going to start matching because they're not. They're working on different bodies right now. But in the end, it doesn't matter because yep. we believe in Joe Brady and we believe that And Teddy Bridgewater last year was not good. And yet everyone was still stupid productive and you even get Kirsten McCaffrey back this year. Have you seen the Jets defense too? So it's like not even for me about right. the Panthers and Joe Brady. It's they lost Carl Lawson, who is their big splash defensive end. And then their corners are it's Bryce Hall, Brandon Eccles, Javelin, Geetree. Like, I mean, come on. Like it's DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, Terrace Marsh. Like if you want to play him, go for it. I think that this is the week to buy 
Robbie Anderson as that wide receiver three that you and I kept talking about. DJ Moore, if we're expecting that, where are the touchdowns at? It could easily be this week. And uh, Terrace Marshall, if you play in a deep enough league, I think he's okay. He at least played well enough for David Moore to get cut. So, yeah, I mean, this is – you don't even have to be betting on Sam Darnold much for, for the Panthers' offense to hit this week. Something we learn with the Panthers. Are they going to be better in two-minute situations? Are they going to be better – in end-of-game scenarios to hopefully um, win the contest? Are they going to be better inside the red zone? And I think that that was, again, a major emphasis for Dan Arnold and Terrace Marshall. I wouldn't be shocked if Terrace Marshall goes out there and scores a touchdown or two in this game because he's immediately going to be there in three wide receiver sets. And we haven't seen Christian McCaffrey. He didn't play a single snap in the preseason. So, uh, again, it doesn't matter if Sam Darnold improves because Joe Brady elevates. And this might be actually his narrative become a head coach next offseason. That's a good way of looking at it, too. Yep. All right. Let's jump now to Minnesota Vikings, Cincinnati Bengals, our first road favorite, I believe, of this show. Vikings are three-point favorites, 47 and a half total. Hayden, for a period of time of the summer, that hot, hot best ball summer. Thanks for making it just that. The Bengals passing offense was the bell of the ball. Then we had Burrow practices, poor. Jamar Chase drops, bad. He ended up going as wide receiver 27, Hayden, after being drafted among the highest rookies ever at the position. And now at the end of it, the final news is all about how our guy Joe Mixon is going to get touch after touch, workload on top of workload that must make you feel pretty good heading into week one. Yeah, for those that don't know, uh, Ben Baby, who covers the Bengals really closely, he said that Joe Mixon was the training camp MVP I see the Bengals. If I was the Bengals and I was making decisions, my starting quarterback tore not his ACL, his ACL and his MCL maybe had meniscus and PCL damage as well. Like this was a significant, significant injury. This happened in November, not in September. If I were them, I would run the ball a little bit to start the year, which I know it's not effective, but you're playing the long game here, especially when you have a young offense um, and the offensive line is brand new as well. So I think that Joe Mixon can have an awesome game here. The, the one thing that we have to note, though, is this Mike Zimmer defense, that defensive line is not like last year's defensive line. They've gotten a lot of pieces back, and I think that a lot of those the cornerback play, they re- refresh those guys as well. So I know if you're looking at the chart on YouTube right now, you're seeing a lot of Vikings in the, the 20s on defense. I'm not expecting that to change. I don't think it's going to be a top 10 unit, but it, I wouldn't be surprised if they were like 15th against the pass and run this year. Um, so that's a little bit of buyer beware if you're betting on the Bengals this week. Yeah, and yeah. I mean, I think Mike Zimmer is going to put the Bengals' offensive line in absolute blender. Our buddy yes. Nate Tice talks about this that Mike Zimmer is actually one of these DCs that understands offensive line communication and and where offensive lines can be weak. And I mean, twists, stunts, yep, peppering gaps. It, it's I'm really nervous of Zach Taylor. Still don't know who you are. And how Joe Burrow coming back with like so much negativity heading into this. Again, I, I, I'm with you on the pieces, even though I think Danelle Hunter coming back can be absolutely massive because he's one of the most underappreciated pass rushers in the NFL. Anthony Barr, Eric Kendricks, so on and so forth. Mike Zimmer is the key. Yeah. Mike Zimmer truly is the key. And I, I think that he can get them ready for this game where they, and Joe Burrow can get there with garbage time, but Hayden, I don't want to start relying on garbage time with the Bengals offense in week one. Not week one. Yeah. This is not the time to, to be playing that. And you don't, this is a team without confidence right now. Like, I mean, we're talking about multiple of their starters are playing without confidence. You never hear players come out and say that. And it's not great when Mike Zimmer with a bunch of veterans, like 
the Vikings don't have a bunch of young guys. They have a bunch of veterans. Like this defense has been there for a while. I think that that much disguise on the defense is going to give the Bengals some headaches here. Viking side, you want to hit on that too? I mean, it, it might be one of the most defined offenses as we head into week one. And Hayden, we all know it. Kirk Cousins can be a high variance quarterback. Get hot for three weeks, ice cold for three weeks. He needs to hit here, Hayden. And look, it hasn't been rainbows and roses for this offense either all offseason because they drafted, what, Christian Darrisaw in round one, and he's still not healthy. They do have other pieces along that offensive line. Adam Thielen's been out. But, Hayden, I, I tr- you truly have to believe that with a Kubiak running system, with Dalvin Cook back there and throwing the ball to Justin Jefferson maybe double-digit amount of times in this contest, that the Vikings get home. I think this will be one of these weeks where Justin Jefferson is all, like, all of a sudden going to be like a consensus top five receiver in real life and in fantasy. This week, the Bengals are without their, their cornerback one, Trey Wayne, who's not very good. But that means that Eli Apple is going to be starting. And we just talked about it with the tight ends. Like there's no Irv Smith. There's no Kyle Rudolph this year. There's still not a wide receiver three in the offense. So when the Vikings are projected for the 10th most points of the week and the ball can only go to Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen and Dalvin Cook, like this isn't that hard uh, to start these guys. So, I mean, even Adam Thielen, I think is like going to be a rock solid wide receiver too. I think he was being drafted lower than his like weekly projection in best ball because he's a little bit older. But when Thielen's ready to go, I want to be firing him buying him up as a wide receiver too. thought we might get a little Benji for Justin Jefferson. Too obvious. Too easy. Yeah. Too, I mean, I would project him for a hundred points. I mean, come on now. hundred points. That, that's, uh, yeah. Bold. yeah, that's bold. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know if there's anything left to say here. This is going to make your one Oh two, one Oh three Dalvin cook shares look really good. Um, and yeah, go ahead. I got one thing. I think that we're going to talk about Tyler Conklin on the waiver wire, the waiver wire pickup next, next week. He's been limited in practice. If he's out there, we're talking about a 70th percentile athlete in an offense that uses their tight ends a ton. And even last year, Kyle, he had a 15% target share when Kyle Rudolph wasn't out there. And that was with Irv Smith. So yeah. we've seen him do it in, in at least in small glimpses here. And circling back real quick, this is going to be the true test of what we get to see from Joe Mixon. Because if they are a negative game script like Vegas is expecting, like we are expecting, and he finally does get that passing game work since Gio is gone, again, this should be a really good opportunity for us to see that workload here in week one. So we're going to get some answers on that one. Next up, Hayden, seven and a half point favorites. The San Francisco 49ers are against the Detroit Lions, a total of 45 Simple question to start here, Hayden. Over under rushing yards for the Niners in this game, 249? I mean, I was thinking about picking Raheem Mostert as my hundred of the week, but I think that's too obvious too here. I'm like, I'm totally with you. I mean, the the Lions last year were 31st against fantasy running backs, 30th in rushing EPA, and I think that the 49ers offense is going to be, I think, maybe the most efficient run game in the entire NFL with all of the, the Ravens news recently. And yeah, Raheem Mostert's the guy, I think, this week. Trey Sermon will be involved as well, but um, just because Trey Sermon got all the the first drive carries in the last preseason game, I'm going to be ranking uh, Raheem Mostert ahead of Trey Sermon, even though I had those the other way around in, in best ball rankings. So up at the top, 26 and three quarters points, Hayden. Is that the team total for the 49ers? That's how I'm reading that correct? Yes. I want to bet the over on that, dude. Yes. I mean, I understand, and they still might get there because the 49ers could just put microscopes on every single defensive player on the Lions right now. And Brandon Ayuk, who I love as an individual, finishes wide receiver 23. Debo Samuel, who I love as an individual, wide receiver 33. 
But Hayden, they might not even be needed in this game. We saw it a couple of years ago in the in, in, in the postseason where Kyle Shanahan went out there with Raheem Mostert, 220 yards, three or four touchdowns. I truly think as we head closer and closer into the season, that if the running game just works, even though we love George Kittle as well as top of those wide receivers, the real stars of this team might be Trey Sermon and it might be Raheem Mostert. Like that running back dead zone for Trey Sermon is like running back 27. Hayden, I'm starting to think that that smashes more likely than it doesn't. Is Raheem Mostert going to be inside your top 20 rankings this week? I think they both are, dude. Both are. I, I think I think I'll have Sermon as my RB26 and Raheem Mostert as like RB18. And we don't know exactly. And again, this is another little morsel that we're going to get from this week. Trey Lance and his package in terms of his play on the field because he has a little bone chip. We saw it in the final preseason game. I think that's the biggest hint that we've gotten so far. Hayden, that it's going to be in red zone. It's going to be for running situations. And I know it was preseason. Defenses didn't get ready for it. Now they can because there's a little bit on the field. But there were alleys for the most explosive back in the league in Raheem Mostert to run through. And, I mean, this Lions team, while they've invested and they like some of their new pieces, it's going to be a tough first start for Dan Campbell. Yeah, a tough it's, one. It's not looking pretty. And also, Hayden, on the offensive side, for the Lions, a lot of love for DeAndre Swift as we close drafts from people. Uh, I think we all know that Jared Goff needs a clean pocket, clean situation. But what's happened? Taylor Decker might not be playing in this contest. He's been limited all week. We have seen Panay Sewell, top pick, right tackle. It's so difficult to make that transition from the left side to the right side. He has struggled. And now, ultimately, he might make his first start of the season over on the left side. That's where they need to play him. Like, or they need, they didn't need to draft Penny Sewell. I hate when they draft left tackles and then put him at right tackle. Like it, that is so hard. Their footwork is completely uh, mirrored. I, I just hate when 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 teams do that. But I think that DeAndre Swift. I mean, they he's been a full participant this week, and the coaching staff kind of had some good quotes out there this week that was indicating that DeAndre Swift's going to have an entire workload. And we know this is the exact game script why you were drafting DeAndre Swift as an RB two in the first place. So. I, I think that DeAndre Swift will catch five passes this week in, in garbage time, and I think that will be enough for RB2 production. This is going to be another good indicator to me on if DeAndre Swift, regardless of game script, if he can get home as a top 24 scoring running back or how much Jamal Williams is going to eat into that, right? Because I don't know how many positive situations we're going to get out of the Lions this year, and this could be one of the more negatives all season long. I'm very worried about the passing offense because TJ Hawkinson's going up against Fred Warner and the 49ers literally were number one against fantasy tight ends. And it's basically Hawkinson or bust in the past game for the Lions yeah. right here. And this is not the matchup. I mean, you still start TJ Hawkinson as a top 10 fantasy tight end, but when we're talking about like efficiency and just like the Lions in general this week. This is, this is not going to be pretty. This won't surprise you. I'm a little terrified of for Jared Goff in this game. A little, little terrified. I'm not saying that this, you know, defensive line was as good as it was when like DeForest Buckner was a part of it. But you still have Ark Armstead. You still have Javon Kenlaw. You get Nick Bosa back. Fred Warner running behind them as well. Lots of lots of good pieces. All right. Let's jump to the next contest. Hayden, that is the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Houston oh, Texans. Baby. Jaguars three-point favorites on the road. 45 and a half total. 
Hayden, I went on someone's podcast this week and they were like, ah, who should I take for my survivor pool? I was like, go big or go home. How many times are the Jaguars going to be favored this week? If you believe in this and have so much disbelief in the Texans like I do, I'm rolling with the Jaguars in this game, and I'm oddly confident in it, Hayden. The Texans were 30 seconds against the run, 30th against the pass in EPA, and that was with Bradley Roby, who they just traded, and J.J. Watt last year. And, like, did they add anyone of significance this offseason? No. So, like, I mean, this is going to be – an absolute disaster for the Texans. I don't think we need to talk about this game too much. I think that DJ Chark's healthy. It's just pick your point. If you were a LaVisca fan, you start him. If you were a DJ Shark fan, you start him. If you were a Marvin Jones fan, throw him into your flex. All of them have A-plus matches matchups everywhere. And not to overreact, but I don't think there'll be a better opportunity for the Jaguars to show us who they want to be. Again, they're, they're favored here, right? So, like, when you're favored – how many touches is James Robinson going to get? You know, who is going to be and how are the wide receivers traditionally going to run routes for you with Marvin Jones and Visca and DJ Chark coming back? Can the blockers of the front five stay up there? Hayden, I do want to bring this up though, because we've covered we've covered the Jaguars. I feel like we have barely spoken about the Texans because we have no clue what's going Good. on there. But here's this from Cleve TA, one of our good pals. Week one home underdogs in division games are on an incredible run lately. They've covered at a 78% clip, 18 and five since 2010. Hayden, the Houston Texans qualify here. How can they get there? I don't know. You're you're the one that found this tweet. <laughs> yeah, explain it to me. Uh, I mean, I, I truly don't believe they can. I I think that this is typically for like your Seattle on the road to Arizona in week one, like better teams. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I think the Texans just don't shouldn't even qualify as this because they truly might be, at least on paper, the worst offense that we've seen of the past five or six years. Again, I'm on record thinking that they're going to score an average 13 points this year, which is so much lower than any of the teams we've seen recently. They're projected for almost 21 points this week right now. Like that's what was kind of surprising. I didn't think that the Texans should be projected for this many points. So I, I like that trend. I think that there is reasons to believe in that trend long term, but I, I don't think that this is the one I, I want to attach myself to. Again, I, I made it known that Trevor Lawrence could be the best value in all of fantasy, regardless of position. And again, th- this can be that opportunity for him to absolutely show that. Okay, let's jump now, Hayden. Seattle Seahawks, Indianapolis Colts, total of 50. Seahawks on the road, two and a half point favorites. We finally get to see the real Shane Waldron in action. Hayden, Russell Wilson, Shane Waldron, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett. On paper, all that we've heard in interviews. And based on where Shane Waldron is coming from and Sean McVay's offense, you create gimmies, you create open wide receivers, crossing routes. That all sounds good. But Hayden, can Russ do it? Can he will himself to take those gimmies, to not try to play hero ball every single time? Do you think we see goodness immediately or do you think there might be some growing pains early on? It's a perfect test because it was all about the Seahawks can't beat cover two. All this like too high stuff is slowing down the Patriots or the the Seahawks. They can't do this play action stuff. And of course, who led the league in cover two snaps last year? The Colts. So that you're gonna we're gonna figure it out right now. We're gonna see if if Russ can hit a shallow crossing route. If he can hit a quick out, can he? Does he want to just hold on the ball and look for the big play, or can he play within himself? And the good news is Xavier Rhodes has not practiced. The last two games or the last two days here. So that's good news for Tyra Lockett and good news 
for DK Metcalf. And I want to put it on record. My Benjamin of the week is going to be Tyler Lockett. He finished second highest in yards against two high zone defenses. Last year, he had 410. That was much better than DK Metcalf. And I know that we like look at for some of these trends and we don't actually believe in them. I think that there's reasons why DK, DK Metcalf would struggle against zone coverages versus a more natural slot receiver like Tyler Lockett. And if Xavier Rhodes isn't going to be playing, I think all the quick game, the up-tempo stuff plays into Tyler Lockett's favor. And this is the perfect matchup with the Seahawks um, as, at 25 and a half points projected this week. Your Benji, your Ben Franklin of the week, Hayden, Tyler Lockett. Right now on Pick'em, 63 and a half, over under, receiving yards. On your way to 20Xing, if you at least go and get that free 25 bucks, use promo code the show listed down below. As you can see, it's great in the app. It's great in the desktop. Go and check out Underdog Fantasy. Hayden, I really, really like that one. Again, we overreact, but we do learn a lot of things in, in week one. And so many new play callers across the league. And Shane Waldron and his fit with the Seahawks is going to be up there at the top. There's a few other things we're going to learn. You know, just the neutral pass rate for the Seahawks. Gerald Everett's role in this because he's kind of in that second tier of, of tight ends after the top 12 that maybe people liked. Um, I want to talk about this Colts offense, though, Hayden. Can we hit this breaking news real quick? Hit him with the breaking news. Oh, okay. Free T-shirt. Yes, whoever fills the last big dog. Wow. 620. It closes. While you're listening to us, go and draft a big dog. You have eight minutes to do it. You can win a hundred grand, so much more in the big dog. Two hundred and fifty dollars to enter. There's so much fun. Different ADP too uh, than Best Ball Mini Two and the Puppy Three. So go right now. Pull it up. Boom. All right. Let's go over the Indianapolis Colts side, Hayden, because we heard about the injury to Quentin Nelson. We heard about the injuries to Carson Wentz. It plummeted the likes of Jonathan Taylor and Michael Pittman for a little bit. Um, Seattle's defense strong at linebacker strong in the box with Jamal Adams. Is that going to make any difference? Does defense matter in that case for Jonathan Taylor, who I think is the true real identity of this Colts offense? Totally agree with that. He is the identity, especially early on in the season. Um, the problem is, is the Seahawks defense, they added a lot of guys on the defensive line here. I mean, Kerry Hyder, Al Woods, they're hoping to get something out of uh, Daryl Taylor, too. And they had uh, a first round linebacker, I believe, last year as a rookie, w- played pretty well, too, against or alongside Bobby Wagner. So this is not easy sledding for, for Jonathan Taylor. I think this is an awesome fit for Michael Pittman, though. I mean, this is our guy. And if you look about this, the Seahawks, what changed from last year versus versus this year, they lost Shaq Griffin. They didn't really replace him with like a true cornerback one. I think this might be the worst cornerback group for the Seahawks in many, many years. So I was also considering throwing a little Benji on Michael Pittman. By I opted to go for, for Tyler Lock in this game. But I will not be surprised if Pittman has a big game here. Hayden Winks, funny that you mention it. Let's go. My Benji, my Benjamin Franklin of the week is Michael Pittman. I mean, you look at the corners. On this team, DJ Reed, Trey Flowers, John Reed, who they played traded for, Sidney Jones, bless you on Austin. Are you kidding me? And while so much focus has been on Jonathan Taylor, which deservedly so, what a finish to his last season. Unreal talent. Naeem Hines, a great receiving back. Someone is going to catch these balls. Someone's yes. going to catch these passes with you know, the points that Seattle should be putting up on the board. 
Michael Pittman has those X factor traits, has those X receiver traits. And I wouldn't be surprised at all if we get to Sunday night and we say, dang, Michael Pittman, why do we overlook him as like the wide receiver 40 on the season? Because he tore up that Seattle secondary. I mean, the Seahawks, we just talked about Shaq Griffin leaving. They were already 26 versus uh, wide receivers last year. So they were already bad. And I think that their secondary got worse. And we have to talk about T.Y. Hilton's not going to play. That yep. means in, in 12 personnel, I think Zach Pascal is going to go into 12 personnel, not Paris Campbell. Paris Campbell, solely a slot receiver, which is fine if you're in some really deep PPR leagues. But when they're on the route in 12 personnel, it's going to be Pittman, Zach Pascal, Jack Doyle, Mo Ali Cox, Kyle Granson, and like Jonathan Taylor. Like who is Carson Wentz going to throw the ball to? I didn't stylistically, they're an awesome fit too. So um, everyone that's been watching the show already has been drafting Michael Pittman. Yes. I hope. Throw him into your flex this week. Low key, interested to see Kylan Granson as well. There's a lot of buzz that he's Frank Reich's guy, and maybe he is going to be a waiver ad as we move along. But I'm 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 right there with you. Uh Michael Pittman to the moon. And let's start off here in week one. Okay, before we go, thank you all for being here. We're going to keep having and going through all these games. Like and subscribe while you're here. Our whole goal here is to, one, have fun. Hopefully you're having fun with us right now. Two, enjoy the games a little bit more on Sunday and Monday and obviously Thursday night. But three, it's to help you win. It's in Pick'em. It's in your fantasy leagues, your start sets, all that good stuff. Our only goal and the only content down below is in order to do all those things, like and subscribe to make sure you're on top of it. And if you want to hit that bell for notifications, do that as well. All right, let's keep rolling. We're looking too good. We, we always are. In our Navy, in our best Navy, always. Here we go. Here's a fun one, Hayden. 52 total, one of the highest of the weekend. Arizona Cardinals. Tennessee Titans are three-point favorites here. As crazy as it is, Hayden, what first stood out to me, 52 with these two offenses, is the over in play? The I think over, the over is might be in play. The over so in play. We're talking about the Cardinals leading the league in neutral offensive pace, and the, the freaking Titans were third. I mean, this is – and both of their defenses are garbage in the secondary. And we just got news that Malcolm Butler retired. And if you look about the Cardinals' defense, it's very much man-heavy. They blitz a ton, lots of cover one stuff. Do you know what you need in that type of defense? You need lockdown man corners. And they, the Cardinals, when they got rid of Pat Pete, they said, all right, Malcolm Butler's going to be our, our quarterback one. And he's gone, like right before the season. So, I mean, wheels up for A.J. Brown, Julio. I think they're going to be starting a fourth-round corner, Marco Wilson. I didn't yep. I didn't know who that was, to be honest. Yep. So, I mean, this is this is the week for A.J. Brown, Julio, Tannehill, and everybody. Yep. Byron Murphy, Robert Alford, Marco Wilson. I'll throw a few names at you, okay? A.J. Brown, dog. <laughs> Julio Jones, dog. We haven't seen them for a single snap together so far this preseason. And because of that, Hayden, I think we might have massive values on Julio Jones right now. And week one, like you mentioned, they get one of the weakest cornerback groups in the NFL, which is saying something in 2021. Todd Downing hiring from within. Maybe they aren't as magical in the red zone first and second in the last few years. Nate Tice, though, gave me a little bit of hope and optimism there because he said that Todd Downing had a lot to do with that red zone success under Arthur Smith. But more volume, Hayden? Let's do it. Let's roll. Oh, yeah. I'm excited. And the, the, we have to get out of our best ball big brains here. And we have to move Julio Jones above our best ball rankings because we were assuming that Julio Jones was going to miss some time. So if you thought that Julio Jones was the wide receiver 20 over the entire season, in this matchup, you should move Julio Jones up eight spots. I think he's like a legit borderline wide receiver one. This is going to be one of the most exciting games 
of the week. These defenses have no chance. No chance. Let's let's talk about the Cardinals versus the Titans defense because that was the Titans defense that was awful last season, Hayden. Oh, let's go to the lab. Let's try to make it a little bit better. Let's set Caleb Fairley in the first round. He's listed as a backup still. Yep. So despite Kyler being the quarterback one last year, Hayden, in terms of a quarterback that played at least six games, it still was odd when Cliff's offense stagnated a little bit. And I think it's safe to say that Kyler elevated it in a lot of situations. So I think this year it's going to be different. Rondell Moore to take all of those manufactured touches from Larry Fitzgerald. Yes, you even have another outside receiver in A.J. Green. But maybe the most important piece of all of this is a true veteran center and when healthy, one of the best in the league at Rodney Hudson to get everyone the right place, the correct blocking schemes. Hayden, we might even see, because of the adversity that they played with last year with Kyler's shoulder injury, another level up in this Cardinals offense this year. And this is a perfect time to start off against the Titans defense. I am totally with you. The offensive line is going to get better. I think Cliff Kingsbury himself should get better or he's going to be coaching at USC next year after he gets fired. Um, and you have Chase Edmonds. This is good news for Kyler Murray. You have Chase Edmonds as the primary rusher or uh, running back. So that's some check down points for you. And the, the wide receiver group should allow DeAndre Hopkins to have more space, move around the formation a little bit more. AJ Green is a is an upgrade over Keyshawn Johnson and Andy Isabella. Christian Kirk's all of a sudden your wide receiver four. That's not so bad. And then Rondell Moore is more more free stuff for Kyler Murray too. So I mean, it blew my mind that Kyler had the most fantasy points of all time through ten weeks. I mean, all time, not quarterback one last year, all time before his injury. So this is another week to get all of your ducks in a row with with Kyler Murray stacks. Uh, get him in battle royale. I think that this is going to be. I think this will be the best game of of week one. Hoop Sox just posted this in the chat. It's on underblog.underdogfantasy.com called the Week One Fantasy Blueprint. Hayden puts these out every single week. Just killer information. Dare I say, killer information. Yeah, Hayden. We had this debate during best ball season. Chase Edmonds versus James Conner. We know Kenyon Drake sucked last year, but he got so many opportunities inside the ten yard line. Who's getting those this year? We're going to learn that most likely. And we're going to learn a lot from Rondell Moore, I think, who looked awesome in his short manufactured touches. Is that just his role? How much is that dependable each week? Does he have to, you know, take the top off on one, like make a play with the ball in his hands, which he can do because he's thick Tavon, or can it be expanded a little bit more? And I think we're going to have that answer on Monday morning when we wake up as well. Is that enough? Move on. Yep. Let's go. All right, let's do the last one in the 1 o'clock window. I feel like we've covered every game here. Uh, last one in the 1 o'clock window. Here we go. Chargers, one-point road favorites against the Washington football team, at least the last time I looked. 44 and a half total. Hayden, is it possible to oversell the importance of a coaching change with the Chargers? I mean, they're going to be better in two minutes, end-of-game situations, timeout usage as well. Just incredible to me that no quarterback faced more pressure last season than Justin Herbert during his rookie year. And no quarterback was more successful against pressure last season than Justin Herbert. And guess what he gets in week one, a Washington football team pass rush. That is incredible, but he has some reinforcements. He has some new players on his side. Hey, we might get the full experience this week of Herbert under pressure, Herbert in clean pockets. And I can't wait to see what we get from last year's best young quarterback in the NFL. This is the underrated game of, of the week. I, th- I don't think this is going to have a bunch of national buzz, but there, this is a very intriguing matchup. You get the new coaching staff, new offensive line, 
we're kind of iffy if 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 Austin Eckler is gonna play. We have no idea. Look, looking at Thursday afternoon, what what his status is. But even without that, we have awesome matchups between uh, William Jackson versus Mike Williams at X receiver. Keenan Allen, I think, is in the best spot out of anybody in the Chargers this week. I think that Keenan has a little sweet spot against Daryl Roberts in the slot. I think that's the spot to go here for fantasy purposes. In uh, the the twelve games with Justin Herbert, Keenan Allen averaged like twelve targets. So I think this is the week to to cash in your Keenan Allen wide receiver one tickets. The matchup in a whole is hard, but it's easiest for Keenan, particularly if Austin Eckler misses some time. There's a lot on the to learn list. You mentioned the Austin Eckler being a little hobbled heading into this. He really is part of this fantasy community, by the way, for for having that landed on us heading into this week. Um, we're going to find out who his real backup is. If it's Justin Jackson, if it's Joshua Kelly, um, we're going to learn about Mike Williams. We're going to learn about Mike Williams and if his role is expanded during his contract year, Josh Palmer and you know his usage as well. And then, Hayden, if I can already flip it to the other side with Washington. Let's do it. Antonio Gibson was drafted as like the running back 13, running back 12, running back 11 at different points this year. A lot of people are wish casting this complete every down workload onto him. I think the skills are there for him to do it, but I don't know if Washington is prepared to hand it over to him. And it's not by anything that he did. It's just by J.D. McKissick being really good. So we're going to see them in turbo situations, NASCAR packages. And if it's still J.D. McKissick, and if Antonio Gibson even gets just two or three third down touches, which is more than he did last season, we're still kind of in this same spot, aren't we? I mean, it's a better offense, but kind of the same spot. He still did average 16.7 expected PPR points after the bye last year. And that was with McKissick still involved. So I, I still think that there's avenues to him finishing as the running back 12, even if McKissick is kind of a thorn in the side here. And I think we're looking at the Chargers defense. There's a lot of moving parts. We're going to see Derwin James back. Like How great is that to get Derwin, Derwin James back? That's bad news for Logan Thomas. Oh, you, you get a cool matchup with Terry McLaurin against uh, a, a Brandon Staley offense that was or defense that was number one in the NFL last year. And I think we have to be monitoring the situation for the, the Washington number two wide receiver spot because I think yes. Curtis Samuel's probably not going to play. It looks like he re-injured his groin in practice, hasn't practiced since that. So now it's just kind of our evaluation on Diami Brown. To me, he'd probably be getting too cute with it in week one. But I think that he's a name to 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 get acclimated to at least. Talk to a source on the beat. He even okay. mentioned that Cam Sims is no. a possibility too. Yeah, not just Dayami Brown in there every single time at the start. So it's uh it's it's one and and Hayden, you, you mentioned you know the the Washington offensive line versus the Chargers. I mean, we have seen the Rams where Brandon Staley previously coached. Like Wade Phillips is a great defensive mind, right? But Brandon Staley was able to bring it all together, you know, have Aaron Donald, who is rare, and Jalen Ramsey, who is rare, but make the other, you know, role players still elevate and still be one of the best units in the NFL, if not the best, right? It, it's a lot to ask, but maybe that can happen here in week one, like you mentioned with Joey Bosa, like you mentioned with Derwin James. I mean, Jerry Tillery, a lot of these other guys can, you know, make plays as well. And I think it goes against the weakest part of Washington, too, who signed Charles Leno to be their left tackle. Sam Cosby might be the right tackle. Brandon Sheriff is on his last year in Washington. Like, we have so much hope in Washington this year because so much of the focus was Ryan Fitzpatrick just being better than what they had last year. But I have a little, 
little concern that this might just be a critical flaw in this team, the offensive line as the season goes along. I'm with you. I, I think it limits their ceiling, but this is, this is a very even evenly matched teams on both sides. I think both of these teams are possible playoff teams, teams that are pretty frisky, but I think that matching up with some injuries on both sides right here, it's going to be um, maybe more of a, of a fist fight than like a fantasy like ceiling game. I mean, I'm just reading these Washington defensive linemen there. Chase Young, Deron Payne, Jonathan Allen, Montez Sweat, Ionitis, obviously Jamin Davis running behind that. Having that versus versus Justin Herbert in week one, salivating. Salivating over here. Okay, let's move on. We still have a number of games to hit. We have wrapped up the one o'clock window. I believe there are four or five in the four o'clock window. Let's jump in first to the game on the thumbnail. Yes, it's the Cleveland Browns, Kansas City Chiefs, 54 and a half total. Chiefs at home, Hayden, six and a half point favorites here. I feel like we talked a lot about the Chiefs. Let's start off with the Browns. So I'm not, you know, as in love as Baker Mayfield, the individual talent as some people are but honestly Hayden how this roster is built my own personal evaluation in almost every single other contest might not matter because that situation is is ideal that might be the case for 16 games Hayden but in this game I think having an individual talent who can elevate in moments that are necessary this game is going to be different do you think Baker can do it in this one Put up fantasy points as a quarterback, too. Yes, to pull off the upside. No. Right. Um, but I, I do think that the Browns are awesome. Like I, I would not be surprised if it's Browns versus Chiefs and like the AFC championship when we ultimately get there. The Browns defense is much better at all three levels. The offensive line is all the way back. And this is the week where we're going to figure out how back is Odell Beckham. All of the training camp stuff has been positive. The reception perception numbers from Matt Harmon were good last year before his injury and the chiefs lost the cornerback one in the off season. So I think that you're going to get positive game script for the Browns. And I'm curious to see if they're going to pass the ball a little bit more than they did last season in year two of the offense. That's how uh, Baker Mayfield goes from unplayable last year to like finishing as like the quarterback 14 this year. Yeah. Let's not forget last year in week one. I mean, we were questioning if Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold were like the same person, you know, Um, but Obviously, Kevin Stefanski and that offensive line made the case for us. Yeah, I, I guess, again, my question is if, like, can he keep pace or catch Patrick Mahomes in certain situations? Because based on, you know, the spread, he, he he's going to have to. I'll also say that a lot of people view the Browns like a grinded out running team when that really isn't necessarily the case. They're a big play running team, you know? Yes. Like, they're a big play team, and that's on the heels of Kareem Hunt and especially – especially the rest of their running game to go and reel off 10, 20 yard runs. Um, now Hayden on top of that, can Odell Beckham add an, a layer onto that, which they didn't just have last season. All they didn't, it was Jarvis Landry was getting force fed instead of Nick Chubb. I think it's going to be a huge Nick Chubb game. We're talking about the chiefs losing their starting inside linebacker, Willie Gay. He's on injured reserve. That puts second-round linebacker Nick Bolden, who's not a very good athlete um, and a brand-new player, and then Ben Neiman, who is an undrafted guy that's basically a, a special teamer. That's going to be their, their linebackers this week. And already last year, the Chiefs were 31st in rushing EPA defense because they don't care about 
the ball getting run down their throats. They welcome that because they just want to play strong defense on the back end. So I think it's going to be a huge game for Nick Chubb to start out. We'll see if the Browns can keep it close. If not, I think that Odell and Baker can kind of backdoor. I, I kind of like the over just in general for, for this game. Over 54 and a half. I like the over. Wow. Okay, let's talk about Kansas City for a second. I mean, does a heavily invested offensive line bring something new to the Kansas City Chiefs? I think, you know, a lot of their zone concepts and zone roots might shift over to more man run concepts as well. Um, we're also going to learn a lot about young players, Hayden. CEH in year two. We're going to see more of a screen game out of him, what his usage is, because I think at running back 14, that might be an amazing uh, value. And then we're going to learn a lot about Miko Hardman and their view of him. Is he a legit wide receiver? Or is he just still going to remain that like final sprinkle of, of flake salt to finish off a dish and nothing more? He's he's some salt. That's all he is. I think I think people that were drafting McCool Hardman are going to be pretty salty about where they drafted him. Um, but I, I mean, this is just like the classic game for Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey to go off. We had a second round rookie Jeremiah Wusukoromoa said that he's ready to lock down Travis Kelsey. Yeah, okay, bud. Like we saw Denzel Ward get roasted by Travis Kelsey, and like this is like the classic zone defense behind what the Browns are going to play, and Travis Kelsey just cooks them for like ten catches and 115 yards. So I think the biggest thing for this week is what percentage of the snaps is Clyde Edwards Hilaire playing. He was a full participant. There's no excuses about the ankle. If he's out there for 80% of the snaps, which he was in the preseason, Clyde Edwards Hilaire was being drafted too late in best ball. So that's the thing to, to kind of point out here. Yeah. And and if he gets the goal line work and quickly just about the defense of the Browns, you mentioned all the additions. I think they really wanted to have, three core pass rushers up front. I mean, they obviously have that Miles Garrett and they're building everything around him. It's crazy to think that Jadavion Clowney is going to be their second best pass rusher on this team. And then some form of the interior of, of Malik Jackson and even Malik Dow, who I loved coming out of Michigan state. And they have still some injuries, but a lot of depth when the roster is clean uh, at cornerback. And I think that's going to kind of be a new wave I've been advocating for. It. I know they start for the chiefs, but I've been drafting the Cleveland Browns a lot as my defense because I think as we go along, week one's going to suck. But as we go along, sacks, turnovers, low points scored, I, I think the Browns might do a really good job there. Okay, Browns are legit this year. I'm real legit. There's so many more questions in games that we go along. Next up, Miami Dolphins, New England Patriots, 43.5 total. Patriots three-point favorites here at home. Shout out to you, Nick Rodman. Hopefully you guys are watching at the office right now. Give us a big cheer. I can hear it from here. Um, start with the Patriots. So many questions after a down 2020 Hayden, now a new rookie quarterback starter, but here we are Hayden week one Patriots are three point favorites. Feels about right. Doesn't it? I think they should be. I mean, even without Stefan Gilmore, you get uh, Dante Howard, Hightower back. They added like, I'm not even joking, like six defensive linemen. They go too deep at basically every single spot in the front seven. And I think that the Patriots are going to give Tua and a backup offensive lineman, a lot of trouble for, um, for for Miami. So I think that Mac Jones is in a nice little spot here. I know the Dolphins have a really good defense, but I think that they'll play ball control. They have the offensive line to do that. I think you're going to get a decent game from Damian Harris. And I agree that the Patriots should be favored over the Miami Dolphins here. Um, I, I want to be betting on Mac Jones while everyone's uh, willing, to, willing to fade him. Let's try to ride that train early on the season until everyone catches up. I mean, that's what we've been doing all summer long. I'm with you. It's Tua versus Bill Belichick. 
Mac Jones versus Brian Flores, two young quarterbacks that are still unproven. I'll throw Tua in there as well against two of the best defensive minds in the NFL. And that's the, the key position. Which one wins? Which one wins that contest? And I'm going to side with Mac Jones connected to Josh McDaniels behind a top five offensive line with two new tight ends who we're going to find out a lot about that usage and how the running back touches divvy up as well. I will throw this out there, Hayden, because we have seen Brian Flores, you know, put opposing quarterbacks brains and blenders. It certainly looks like Nelson Aguilar is not going to play in this game. Uh, ankle injury, not practicing on Thursday. That's a key part. I mean, just his vertical ability. They, I don't think they have anyone else in the roster that can fill that role right now. So while we think that Jacoby Myers is going to lead this team in probably targets and receptions, I don't know if because they paid so much money to Nelson Aguilar just to play this role, I don't know the replacement is going to be here in week one. If Nikhil Harry starts running right now, maybe he can get 25 yards down the field by the time kickoff comes around here. It's it's the Jacoby Myers game. It's not the greatest matchup individually just because the Dolphins secondary is so strong. But I think Jacoby Myers was dominant against zone coverage and man coverage. He's going to face a ton of man coverage this week. I talked about Jacoby Myers plenty in the fantasy blueprint. Uh, I'm a fan. I think that he deserves flex love. And that was before the Nelson Aguilar injury. I know Damian Harris was a lot of your running back threes heading into the season. Be sure to tune in our show on Sunday, 10 a.m. or 11 a.m. Eastern. We're going to do all of your start sets at that time and answer a whole boatload of questions. I feel good about Damian Harris this week, though. Okay, quickly on the Dolphins side, because Miles Gaston's kind of in that same territory of drafts. Hayden, I guess that that's where we're going to – like, look, no Will Fuller, who I absolutely love. Um, we've seen Devontae Parker miss a little bit of time. Jalen Waddle miss a little bit of time. We know that Bill focuses on one player, takes him out. I, I, I don't know, while I like a lot of pieces of this Dolphins team, I just don't know if this is the week they're going to have success immediately, and that's going to make people sour, I think. It's Yeah, it's, it's not great that Will Fuller is out the one game where they're playing in New England. So I'm with you. I think the offensive line is just going to be a massive storyline. We're going to see two on his back a ton. I think that the Dolphins are really going to struggle Running the ball last year, they were 25th in rushing EPA, and they basically gave up on it in the second half of the season. And we can kind of throw out the Patriots' rush defense numbers from last year just because they got so many guys back. So this this needs to be a two-a coming out party. He's going to have to actually carry this team, and that's not what he, he was asked to do uh, last season. It also needs to be a Jalen Waddle coming out party, yes. I think, because he is the player on this team that with the ball in his hands can make something really special happen. And while we like a lot of the depth along the defensive line, the Patriots bring to the table, I mean, Matt Judon and Josh Uche getting after the passer. At linebacker, Hayden, it's not the fastest group, right? Like, so your Dante Hightowers, your, your Calvin Noyes, wherever he's going to play, Juwan Bentley, so on and so forth. So maybe Jalen Waddle has to have one or two or three really special plays. He just moves differently too, so maybe he can do it. But I, I think he is the key, other than Tua, to the success of the team here in, in week one. So I think Bill Belichick probably wrote Jalen Waldo on his whiteboard and just kept circling his name over and over again. I think that they're going to play two over one over Jalen Waddle, not Devontae Parker, and then they're going to make Devontae Parker win one-on-one -on -one man coverage matchups on the outside. So we'll see if, if Devontae Parker can do it. Green Bay Packers are four-and-a-half-point favorites on the road in New Orleans. Talk about questions, Hayden. Boy, do I have a lot in this game. <sighs> Jameis Winston in a Sean Payton offense. Sean Payton, a play caller, who has been attached to a wildly different type of quarterback for the last decade. Hayden, you know we love him. 
Alvin Kamara is one of our guys this year, team underdog. We know he's going to get a boatload of touches against a Packers defense that now is basically running a, a Brandon Staley, Vic Fangio style defense. But do the Saints have enough to help them hit this 50 total in this game? Is that a fair question to ask? I think so. There's there's some missing pieces on both sides of the ball here. You have David Onyemata not playing for the Saints, but you also have no David Bakhtiari for the Packers. So this is not a fully charged Saints or Packers unit. But going back to promo code Alvin, I mean, this guy's about to go crazy. Talking about uh, the Packers are going to play a lot of too high stuff. I think it's going to open some lanes uh, between the tackles. I think we're going to see Alvin Kamara not be used as just a committee back, but now with Latavius Murray gone, he's going to be in every down back. And the Packers linebackers, it's Devondre Campbell who signed a one-year $2 million contract, and then Chris Burns who, who signed a two-year $1.4 million contract. I mean, these guys are not like starting-level uh, linebackers, and I don't know how they're going to control Alvin Kamara, who's probably going to – like. What you said is over under like what eight and a half targets this week. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. I, I will say on paper, in some ways, like this Packers defense fits in the same boat as like the Chargers does as well in terms of like a lot of cool individual talents. You know, both Smiths rushing the passer. Kenny Clark is still like twenty three years old in the interior of that defense. Rashawn Gary really came along as the season went along. Jair Alexander, Darnell Savage, maybe. Maybe a new defensive coordinator that is not Mike Pettin can turn those individuals into like a nice, like cool collective piece. It's going to be tough against, you know, a top five offensive line that this team has. But also, Hayden, we've viewed like the Saints in recent years as like a defensive oriented team as well. Not this year, dude. Like that team, yeah. especially until David Onyemata comes back, that might be uh that might be a weakness of this team. And I forgot to mention it's not in a, it's not in the dome, by the way. This game is being played in Jacksonville. So that is uh, another wrinkle. It's not really a home game for the Saints, even though it's listed that way. We also had some news that Traquan Smith didn't practice on Thursday with a hamstring injury and their cornerback too, Ken Crawley, who hasn't basically been a starter since 2017. It doesn't seem like he's going to play. So that means like good news for Marquez Valdez-Scantling. But yeah, bottom line, both of these teams, I think could be pretty good later on, but they're missing some guys. So I think that this is advantage Packers. Um, I mean, the, the Saints lost what four five, six different starters this off season and they're missing another four or five due to suspension or injury. So this is right. not the 2017-2018 Saints. Again, a couple things to follow away as you're watching this game. Uh, Aaron Jones versus A.J. Dillon. What is A.J. Dillon's usage here in year two? I know in a lot of leagues that use fab dollars that I'm in, Marcus Callaway people entered 100% in to get him because he they might view him as a top 36, top 48 option at that position. So we know very little about him just in the preseason, but Hayden, so many people are so confident in his game already. Yeah, he's going to have to go beat Jair Alexander this week, which is no fun, but I think the targets are going to be there, and I want to be betting on the targets over that stuff. If I was a crazy man, Josh, which we haven't ruled out, I would put a little Benji on Marquez Valdez-Scantling this week. If we wanted to get really, really crazy and go an underdog for the Benji, I think that this could be a big MVS week. Let's move on. Uh, last one in the 4 o'clock window the Denver Broncos, the New York Giants, Denver on the road, three-point favorites here. I think the smallest hole of the weekend, Hayden, at 42. Um, the Broncos, as we know, have some real, real star power. Uh, we have seen Noah Fant, Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, Javante Williams, heck, KJ Hamler starting to make plays. What they're banking on is Teddy Bridgewater bringing his 81.3% of his throws last year were deemed catchable. I think it's enough in this week. 
Hayden, I question if it's enough for 17 games as we go along. Can I play host for a second? I'm going to yes. turn it on you. How many players are you starting in a in a, a very standard 12-person league? Like Saquon's in it, right? If he's starting, he's in your lineup. Is um, Kenny no Galladay? No one else in the Giants. No, no, one else, no. no one else in the Giants. Okay. Is uh, Jerry Judy in your starting lineup? Yes. Yes. Is Cortland Sutton in your starting lineup? No, because I, I, I'm still in the boat that I have to see it to believe with Cortland Sutton this year. But that might only take right. week one. And then I think that Javante and Melvin Greet, Melvin Gordon would not be in my like top twenty four rankings no this week. Would be, though. No, no offense, but yeah, no offense dealing with with a little leg injury. You have to keep track of that. Bottom line: this Giants defense is pretty underrated. I think it's very well coached. They've added some pieces on the in the secondary, and I think that this defensive line is, is pretty good. I think that's bad news for um, Javante Williams. So this is this is an ugly game. Like this is the game that you just don't want to be watching when it, when four o'clock rounds. Uh, comes around what else is ugly is the giants are fifth in offensive spending in the nfl and look what they put out really did you know that and that's what daniel jones on a rookie contract dude jeez and that bananas i mean this this could be the beginning of the end for daniel jones especially a team that traded back to get an extra first round pick which dave gettleman never does Mm -hmm. that indicates to me they're trying to load up as we go into next offseason to figure it out as you mentioned kenny galladay big money we haven't seen him basically at all this preseason and guess what Questionable offensive line, despite spending, you know, a top 10 pick on, on Andrew Thomas, Matt Pert believing in him as your developmental right tackle and a quarterback who has blinders on when he throws, he throws interceptions. He fumbles the ball at like the highest rate other than Jared Goff in the NFL. And now you get Von Miller, get Nick, Ch- uh, you get Bradley Chubb and you get coverage behind them. Good luck, DJ. Good luck to you. I, th- I think the narrative coming out of this is that the Broncos are going to have a top five or borderline top five defense. Yeah, also from Cleve TA, Daniel Jones faced eight top 10 DVOA pass defenses last season, and the Giants went two and six in those games, and he averaged a measly 15 fancy points per game in those contests. So I would not expect a big week, obviously. No. Obviously. All right, primetime game time here. Hayden, Sunday night football. Oh, the Peacock. How you doing, Peacock? Hope you're doing well. Chicago, Rams, seven and a half point total. LA is at home, 46 and a half. Total, simple question. Hey, now bring it over to you. Can the Bears even be entertaining on the spotlight national televised game, entertaining enough until Justin Fields arrives? Allen Robinson versus Jalen Ramsey. From Jalen Ramsey is going to shout out. That's interesting to me. And your boy Darnell Mooney's out there, so we're we're going to be keeping tabs on him. I think that David Montgomery. So the answer, I mean, is no. The Bears are projected for eighteen point five points. That's dead last this week, below the Houston Texans, below. The Detroit Lions, Vegas thinks that the Bears offense is even going to be worse. To me, the bigger picture, not for fantasy, but just like NFL-wide, is what the Rams' defense is going to look like under a new regime. They're kind of playing the same defense. There's going to be some slight tweaks, but the rest of the secondary is all new guys. And this was a, a unit that was really reliant on their safety play, and they're asking a lot of young guys to kind of fill in that role. So this is a big bet on Sean McVay and the Rams being able to develop uh, the the second and third tier defensive players. So they went all in on Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey. So I don't think that you should be benching David Montgomery no. or Allen Robinson. It's the ball is just only going to go to those two guys, even if it does get ugly. I agree. Yeah. The Rams defense, they're, they're one of the teams now running a lot of three safeties. We'll see if they can still do that. They probably will. It's not the big nickel. It's like legitimately three safeties out there on the field. Uh, hey, I also, wouldn't put it past like Andy Dalton just absolutely sucking in the first half. And we see Justin Fields tread out there in the second half. 
Like Sean, Sean McVay said that they're preparing for for Justin Fields this week, like in like in in sub packages. Uh, but I think that he was basically saying, I, I think we're going to stop Andy Dalton in the first half, and here comes Justin Fields in the third quarter. Because Hayden, I mean, the Bears thought they had a plan in terms of their offensive line situation. That's why they cut Charles Leno, who you know maybe the Bears fans will stop being aggressive to because he's actually like an average tackle. And I think you'll take an average tackle now based on what you have. Cause Tevin Jenkins is nowhere near being in this starting lineup. Jermaine Ifedi is still out there. James Daniels is moving to a different spot. Like there's so many moving pieces here on the offensive line. We have seen Justin Fields get pressured after pressured in the preseason. And we know that he can make things happen and have that magic moment in those situations. And Dalton just absolutely cannot. Um, I've also spent hours talking about how excited I am with Matthew Stafford in the Sean McVay offense. Hayden, one final note, one final time we have to say it. For all of you citing Cooper Cup and Robert Woods, dot, and how it's diminished over the last few years with Jared Goff, that's Jared Goff's stat, not a Matthew Stafford stat. I truly cannot wait to see what this team is like on offense because we have seen – top five productivity from Jared Goff with Sean McVay. And now we get someone with a rocket arm who can make things happen when the play breaks down as well. That might be the surprise. We might wake up on Monday morning, Hayden, and say that Matthew Stafford and the Rams are the storyline of week one. I, I can totally see that. The Bears defense, this is not your boomer dad's Bears defense. This is not the defense from two years ago. There are some holes in this defense just because of what they've done with their their. Uh, free agency capital the last couple of years. So I think that the, the Bears have some weaknesses for Robert Woods and Cooper Cup and Matthew Stafford to kind of poke at. So I, I'm all in on the Rams, seven and a half, the, uh, the spread. I, I I like the Rams here, big at home in the, in the new stadium with the first time with the fans. Uh, I think the Bears are in big trouble. All right, let's close that with Monday Night Football. Four and a half point favorites still, the Baltimore Ravens are, at least the last time I checked. 50 and a half total against the Las Vegas Raiders. I have it written down here. Hayden, why is this just four and a half? And look what happens about an hour before we go live. We know a couple weeks ago, J.K. Dobbins went out for the year. It looks as if Gus Edwards will also be missing for the entire year due to a non-contact ACL injury. Hayden, it's Tyson Williams' day. It's his show. We still know nothing about him basically from his time at South Carolina to North Carolina to BYU. When we zoom out across 32 teams, you know, an individual evaluation of a player might not matter, but like when we look specifically at the Ravens, Tyson Williams fits this. They have a lot of belief in him and Hayden. I could see a path just like I saw it with Gus Edwards that he can still get 100 rushing yards in this game too. Yeah, the the Raiders' defense is still really bad. But I think that all of a sudden, if you look up at this offseason, the Ravens lost some edge rushers. Ronnie Staley's back, coming back from an injury. Marcus Peters might have just had a big injury today. The entire offensive line, there's a lot of moving parts there too. And this is a run game. You need a lot of chemistry when you're pulling players, you're running zone read stuff. You need a lot of chemistry between all of that. And the Ravens don't have that anymore. And they don't have Rashad Bateman. Uh, yeah. Marquise Brown didn't practice uh, the, for a lot of the training camp. Neither did Lamar Jackson. There's been players on COVID list. And that's why the Raiders are my underdog of the week at, at four and a half here. I think that the spread will come closer, probably closer to like 
uh, four after the latest news here. But the Ravens at or the Raiders at home, I think they're catching a Ravens team that has been decimated by literally everything over not even just like the last couple weeks here, but the entire offseason. And that's why I think the dogs are going to be barking. They got the club in this in the stadium. I think that the the Raiders fans are going to have a one hell of a, a, a night in, on Monday. Okay, a few rebuttals. One, the Ravens are a team that is so prepared for week one because they take preseason seriously. Like they have this winning streak. They throttled the Cleveland Browns in game one of last season. And I would say the Browns are like a better version of what the Raiders want to be right now. And I'm with you. Like to me, the two biggest injuries of this offseason so far for the for the the Ravens, and not to be cold hearted here, but I think it's Marcus Peters because I mean, the Ravens like to send an extra man, like go five versus five up front and then have in the back half of Marlon Humphrey, Marcus Peters and company, like just lock up their wide receivers and man-to-man coverage. And I think the other one is Rashad Bateman, you know, more so than the running backs, because, you know, when you compare 2019 Lamar to 2020 Lamar, yes, he had about 200 more rushing yards the previous season. Rushing touchdowns were the same. Basically everything was the same other than success in clean pocket situations. But I do think we get a better Mark Andrews this year. Maybe Marquise Brown continues what he did at the end of last year. Ronnie Stanley coming back at left tackle is huge. But I don't know if we see the real Ravens this year until Rashad Bateman returns. Yeah, that's why they're the, the underdog of the week, Josh. You made my point perfectly. Before we move on, how are you handling this backfield? I mean, I think the number one ad should be Tyson Williams. A lot of people are going to get scared off because these other name brand players that they bring in, in Le'Veon Bell, in... Devontae Freeman, who's on the practice squad. Maybe they bring in another one as well. This might be a simple-brained way of thinking about it, but all of those and Bells and your Freemans and your Latavius, whatever, they're in the decline of their career, you know? And if they even fit, who knows? Tyson Williams, we know nothing about him, but let's remove that. He's on the ascension of his career, and he gets the first opportunity here. And I think that that might be the most important piece of the Ravens' rushing attack. The Ravens have been developing him the entire offseason, and I think that he's the most athletic back of all of those guys that you just named. Le'Veon's not the same. Uh, Devonta's not the same. I think that Tyson Williams has some pop. And let's be honest, like he looked pretty good in the preseason. Like That's the only action we've ever seen of Tyson Williams outside of when he had 99 rushing yards against USC. I think that they're going to let him kind of cook here and see what he's got. This is uh, not a pretty situation for the Ravens here, but I think that Tyson Williams – he could be, I don't want to say James Robinson because like James Robinson fell into like the perfect spot for a three yeah. down workload. Tyson's not going to be that, but I think you could see an uh, every week RB two, um, depending on how much they want to give Levy on the Levy on the ball. Go and get him. And until they show us something, a reason why he's not the guy, I think that's when we move on. I, yeah. I think the upside far outweighs the downside here in prioritizing uh, Tyson Williams. Anything you want to say about the Raiders offense? I mean, we're going to see Darren Waller try to repeat it in year two. He missed a bunch of time for undisclosed reasons this preseason. Obviously, no more Nelson Aguilar. You and I, every single show, talk about Henry Ruggs. Anything you want to check out here with the Raiders? I'm just I'm just super excited to see what they do with Henry Ruggs. We, we've seen some quotes from John Gruden that he wants to get Henry Ruggs going. Last year, he was basically a decoy, but that was a year where Henry Ruggs got injured in the first week. And that first week, we played the clips. I mean, he was getting jet motion stuff. He was getting uh, like flea flicker action. He was getting like stuff in the backfield. I'm hoping that's what we get from Henry Ruggs immediately. And I think that would be a good way uh, against the Ravens super aggressive scheme is to kind of play a little finesse with Henry Ruggs um, out in space a little bit. 
I forgot to give my dog as we went along. I was hoping you did as well. Didn't know you were saving it. My is going to be the Arizona Cardinals covering the three points against the Tennessee Titans. I think the Titans still have a whole bunch of questions, and maybe the Cardinals this offseason answered some of those as we have moved along. All right, Hayden, we're not going to draft games. We're just going to come in and have those prepared on Sunday. This has been an awesome show. So much to deliver. I would say week one is more difficult to grasp than week two. Uh, Can't wait to go through these games. We're going to be, again, live here for the pregame show starting at 10 a.m. Eastern, an hour-long call-in show with Animal from BDGE. I'm going to be tuning in. It's going to be must-see YouTube television. Uh, then I'll be hopping on at 11. Hayden will join me at 11.30, and then we roll until about 12.30. Again, your start sits, all of that. It's still up in flux with a lot of these spots, especially with Tyson Williams. Come, bring those questions. We will answer them then. And you can always check us out on the podcast feed as well. Uh, take us with you. Just search the Underdog Football Show on whatever podcast platform you use. All right, Hayden, let's do this. Let's go and celebrate. For everyone else there, appreciate all of you. Cam, UNC, Isaac, Jesse, Aiden, Gamma, all you people up the villa. Talk to you all soon. See ya. Yeah.